0: Counselors, approach the bench. I have no further witnesses, Your Honor.
1: Curiosity, I'm allowing this freak show to continue. Your Honor, i like to ask for a recess. Overruled. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Oh, hey, welcome to Movie Mistrial.
0: The podcast where we examine the IMDb Top 250 and argue for or against the movies being on that list.
1: My name is Raji
0: and I am Johannes.
1: Today we're talking about the number 3 film on that list.
0: The sequel to the mafia epic The Godfather, The Godfather Part 2.
1: The Godfather Part 2 was released on December 12th, 1974, and it stars Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, and it has an IMDb rating of 9.0 out of 10.
0: Right. But before we talk about the movie, how's your week?
1: My week was uh, quite interesting. Uh, I got to watch The Godfather 2, amongst many things. Um, and it's, uh, it's been a beautiful week in terms of weather in Oakland. Um, and as you may imagine, Oakland is uh, as exciting as Oakland always is. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but it's good. I had a good week so far. Mostly work, but um, I think that the movie watching was definitely a help. Right. How was your week?
0: Yeah, yeah, same. I'm busy at work. Uh, I watched a bunch of movies. Um, went to Dream Horse yesterday, which is... Oh, nice. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be on this list, I don't think. <laughs> uh. But, but has Tony Collette. I like Tony Collette. Uh, yeah, and then watched Godfather Part 2. And I have a lot of things to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, cool.
0: Cool. So let's talk Godfather 2. Let's figure out uh, who's going to be on which side
1: all right sounds good
0: all right so um heads or tail
1: i'm gonna go with heads again heads again let's
0: let's see what happens here heads
1: wow finally <laughs> <laughs> get mine uh and i'm gonna surprise you here i'm i'm gonna go i wanna argue against the film
0: uh, I was hoping you would not do that <laughs> <laughs>
1: I kind of knew you were gonna go hard against this room because we had a preliminary discussion yes. about the Godfather Three. <laughs> um, so I want to put you in a, as uncomfortable a position as you uh, as you don't want to be.
0: <laughs> Fine. No, I mean this is a masterpiece. I was just trying to trick you.
1: All right, <laughs> This is gonna make uh, it's gonna make for a good discussion. Yes. Then.
0: Yes. All right, before, before we go into it, uh, let's hear a little synopsis. The Godfather 2 We follow two timelines. One tells the story of how Vito Corleone became a Mafia man. The second picks up where the Godfather left off. Vito's mother and father are killed when he was a child in Italy. He escapes and moves to New York. Meanwhile, an attempt is made to kill Michael. It fails. While Michael tries to figure out who did it, he ponders making a deal with one of Vito's old buddies. Meanwhile, young Vito joins up with the guy who robs a rich person's house. A local thug tells them he wants some of the money they rob. Meanwhile, Michael discovers that his brother betrayed him and that Vito's old buddy was behind it. Meanwhile, Vito kills the local thug and becomes the new local thug. The head of one of the other families, who opposes Michael, agrees to testify for the government against him vito kills the man in italy who killed his parents michael kills his brother convinces the government informant to kill himself and kills vito's
1: old buddy the witness will address this court as judge or your honor ladies and gentlemen of the jury and by the jury i'm referring to you the wonderful people listening to us today i'm tasked with the unenviable job of arguing against what is considered one of the best movies of all time it's no surprise that a lot of people like it, and I do not begrudge you your love of this film. But does this movie deserve to be the third best movie of all time? My arguments are going to be focused mainly on the characters of Michael Colleoni and Vito Colleoni, and their incredible maliciousness throughout the film. Some would argue, as the head of the mafia, your role is to be ruthless. But the movie leaves neither with any redeeming characteristics to focus on from the tragedy of Frido to the tragedy with Kay, this movie is about men living with their God complex determining whether someone lives or dies. They fail to accept the consequences of their actions, though one approaches it better than the other. This is a long, drawn-out film about the downfall of Michael Corleone into a character we should despise in our society, And the film leaves a lot to be desired. Thank you, jury.
0: Dear jury, I strongly believe this movie is telling us a story about the ultimate betrayal in the context of family. I think the center point is how a family that works on many levels, both the personal and the business side of family, in this case, Gets so intertwined and corrupted by power that you that certain people, mostly f- Fredo, takes over power over family, and uh, this is essentially showing uh, the ultimate flaw in in the mob, and I think this movie tells that story brilliantly. I argue that the, the concept is essentially blood is thicker than water unless you get corrupted by greed. This movie starts the story by telling us the backstory of Vito Corleone, and then intertwines it with the story of Michael um, following what we've seen in Godfather 1, and we see how the corruption can uh, infect the family, and ultimately, cause the downfall of it. And I think uh, this is a great example of big, old school cinema and storytelling, which is why I think this movie deserves to be on the list.
1: Thank you very much for your uh, for your introduction, and I think that we should jump right into some of what you were pointing out. How this is an old school way of storytelling. And I've watched quite a few old films, um, you know, Spartacus is one of them, all these old movies that go for four hours with intermissions in between. But I feel like in this film, we have multiple storylines and multiple story threads that don't feel as fleshed out as they need to be. I'll give you some examples. In the story of Michael, which is almost... Which is about sixty percent of the film. The story of Michael covers about sixty percent of the film. We we watch him go through, uh, talk about themes of corruption in Cuba. We watch the collapse of the Cuba as a democratic state. We we watch the introduction of the Senate and how the laws of the America at that particular point was affecting the world of, um, the world of the mafioso. We watched the collapse of the family unit under the leadership of Michael. Um, And we watched watched the effects of Michael leaving New York to Nevada in this film. Those are are just two thirds of the threads we have to follow. We also watched the mafioso in Italy, the plight of immigrants in America, the corruption in the neighborhood uh, of Vito Coglione, the rise to power of the Colleone family under the guise of Vito Coglione, uh the foundation of family for Vito Colleone, and the theme of revenge. And they all encapsulate a three and a half hour film. And I feel like all of these threads, we could have reduced the amount of threads we had in this film significantly, and it would have been a little bit more concise and easy to understand. And I feel like a lot of the themes were um, left out because we had so many threads we had to follow. That's the first argument that I have against the film. And I'll give you... Uh, I don't know if you have uh, a response or you want to make a response to that. Uh, sure. But I'll pass my mic. Uh, I you.
0: think at the end of the day, this movie is a continuation of Godfather, the movie we talked about on the last episode. And I like this to be... An example of, uh, in The Godfather 1, you have Vito Corleone and uh, kind of a spirit of control. Everything was very, like a fine-tuned machine. He had he had both his family and his, his organized crime family uh, tightly run uh, like a ship. And then in this movie, you have Michael, somebody who didn't really want to be in this position in the first place. We talked about that last episode. How how the first movie shows how he's kind of dragged into that that part of the family, and we can see that he's not very good at this, <laughs> uh, and and I liken it to a chaos, you know. So you have in, in the first movie you have control, and then in the, in the second movie you have chaos, and the the different timelines that we're experiencing here the beginning of uh, Vito's life uh, when he immigrates you can tell that he is in charge he's confident and he takes control of the neighborhood and from then on he's a respected member of the community a very respected member of the community and in control and the flip side of the coin is we see Michael losing control more and more and more and he's struggling uh, to the point where even his family is betraying him So I think as that, uh, this movie is doing a really good job showing us that even though this is a glorified world and kind of um, a world that seems kind of appealing because of the power that goes with it, there's also a lot of risk. So my argument is also that the first movie is telling us a story about the glory, the gore, but also kind of the payoff and this movie tells us a story about if you don't succeed, then you're really screwed. And, yep, go ahead.
1: I, I was going to talk about the, the theme you were talking about, the collapse of the family under Michael. Um, and I quite agree with you that this movie is about controlled chaos um, in the sense that Michael always seems to be in control. But underneath, there's always something raging. In between him, um, his mind, um, and uh, we get to see um, him lose his temper many times in this film um, because he couldn't quite control. And I agree that he was somewhat reluctant in taking over the role. And you know, at some point, I I was beginning to wonder if Tom Hagen was not the better person to be leading the the family because you know Tom Hagen seemed to have a lot of things under control. And he was always destined to be the person, but because he was not um, Italian or Sicilian, he could never be in charge. And I felt like that was a unfortunate outcome of his birth, which he had no choice over. But you know, this movie is based in the fifties and all sorts of racist things used to happen in those times. I'm not gonna judge the movie on that. I'm gonna judge the movie on the fact that Michael is the lead character, and they made Michael so unlikable throughout this film. The moment he gets shot at, in his bedroom, he has a meeting with Tom Hagen, and the first thing he says to Tom Hagen is, Hey, you know I've always loved you as a brother. Um, I've always considered you to be a brother of mine, um, and I want you to take over the family while I'm gone. And he goes out and he does his deals. Um, But at the end of the film, when they sat down to have a discussion before they killed um, Fredo, um, he had a discussion with Tom Hagen where he says, you know, he's questioning his decision um, to have a discussion with another family about taking over some hotels in Nevada, in Las Vegas. And he looks at him with disdain and disgust because of his paranoia. And Tom Hagen has to say... Why are you doing this, Michael? Why are you saying this to me? Um, After all that Tom had done for him, how Tom had gotten his hands dirty as a result of, you know, things he had to do for Michael, I just felt like Michael was cold-hearted in every single decision he made. And as a viewer who wants to root for the character, it felt very difficult for me to watch this person make bad decisions after bad decisions without paying for the consequence. And I'll give you another example before I pass on the mic. Um, I feel that his relationship with Kay was also very horrible. Outside of the fact that most of what we needed to see happened off screen, because we were trying to close many threads. Um, and I'll give you another, an example of one thing that happened off screen. Um, they were having a conversation in the corridor and she says, "Hey, you've seen what's been happening to um Anthony." And i wasn't I was confused because they had never shown anything wrong with Anthony throughout the film. And I feel like you know, it would have been nice if we had taken off the Senate hearing to see more of the family life, irrespective of that. you know, irrespective of that, we still had to watch him. Um, get angry with Kay and slap her. And, you know, ironically, that was a real slap, (laughs) uh, by the way. I was actually surprised that they went with that. Uh, But he slapped her because um, she poisoned the world by saying that, you know, she had an abortion and she had to get rid of the devil and not bring another Michael to the world. And we watch, you know with disdain. I really disliked Michael throughout this film. The moment he heard his wife had a miscarriage, the first thing he said was, uh, was it a boy? Was it a boy? Ignoring the fact that Kay was even involved with the pregnancy. Um, And I think that this cold nature, where he always thinks about himself, was one of the things, one of the major characteristics throughout the film. and one of the reasons why i dislike michael so much and very made the movie a difficult watch
0: i have to completely disagree because i think the you're not supposed to like michael at this point you're not supposed to like michael in this movie at all you were supposed to like him godfather 1 and and sympathize him sympathize with him uh, getting dragged into this whole family but then in godfather 2 it's all about Uh, what power and greed can do to you. And everything was set up in Godfather 1 to show us what the result of that is going to be. Michael is obsessed with legacy. He's obsessed with continuing the Corleone family and the power the family has, uh, which is why he's so obsessed over having a male heir. And he probably recognizes that time is kind of running out for himself. He sees everything is kind of falling apart to a degree, so he wants to make sure he gets the heir, the legacy, bit in, so to speak. This movie is a good example of the fallacy of micromanagement, because I think this is where he fails a lot. He doesn't trust uh, his soldiers and his underlings to do what they need to do, and I think the lack of trust results in them having lack like, of trust in him and then betraying him. And I think that's that's a, a great way to display this in the example of a mob family because everything is centered around trust. Everything is centered around having such a tight-knit group uh, where nobody talks, where nobody goes behind your back. And to think this movie is, is fully on board with telling us If you go against this and if you don't trust the people that you're supposed to trust, then that'll be your end. And I think that's the whole point of the movie. And I think the movie shows us both sides of this. It shows us the veto side where everything is an example of do right by me. I do right by you and together we're better. And then we have Michael's side and that's the complete opposite because he just doesn't trust. And he doesn't fully understand the inner workings because he was set up. Technically he was set up to fail. If you think about it, because in Godfather one, he never wanted to to do this in the first place. In this movie, even Fredo says, I was supposed to be the person like I, I was, I'm the older brother. What, what are we doing here? Uh, Of course, he's going to try to undermine his younger brother. And I think that's the, the whole point of the movie. Don't, Domus with family like trust the blood is thicker than water
1: I think that uh, I I get a lot of the points you made about the family being uh blood being thicker than water but I I also feel like I should point out that um nobody liked Michael um and Michael made it um, a goal in his life for him to be cold and distant from every single member of the family. Um, He made decisions all the way from Godfather One, where he um, went against the family. Um, For example, he killed Connie's husband. And if you remember from the last episode, one of the last scenes in the film was Connie coming in to the house screaming, Michael, you killed my husband. The consequences of his actions from all, you know, from the previous film, till this one um, shows that he's a character who feels like he's above consequences and it makes it even more difficult to root for him. I don't expect, uh, I don't expect you, I don't expect anybody, like especially Connie, you know, at the very beginning of the film, we're seeing him, seeing her with a new, you know, boyfriend flying around the world. uh, And the only reason why, she talks to Michael is if she needs money and I feel like that is an ideal response or an ideal consequence of the fact that Michael killed her husband you can't trust somebody like that and Michael made a decision to kill Fredo and one of the most heart-wrenching scenes was the moment where Connie comes back kneels down in front of Michael another God complex situation uh, because I don't think there's any part of the original Godfather where any of the kids kneel down in front of their dad. So Michael thinks he's some sort of God and kneels down, says that she's ready to come home. She's ready to take care of her kids. You know, she's done going around the world. Um, and then she cries and says that, hey, Fredo is weak without you. He needs you. He needs your support. And Michael walks into the dining room, sees Fredo in his frail self smoking a cigarette, um, and he walks up to him and gives him a hug. And by the end of the film, he shoots him. Not Not directly, but symbolically. He kills Fredo because even as he gave him the hug, he was looking at the man who eventually killed him with eyes that says, I give you permission. Immediately my mom dies, you have every opportunity to kill Fredo. I don't understand how I could root for a character like that. I think there was more nuance to Michael in the first episode, in the first Godfather, where we see him as a war hero, a man who wants to stay away from the family um, because he doesn't want to have anything to do with it. It feels like his path is different. He wants to be uh, uh, somebody who lives within the law To the second part, where he's a paranoid, uh, where he's filled with paranoia and goes around killing members of his family, totally betraying the trust of his father, um, betraying the trust of his mother, in the sense that he knew what his mother would do. So he waited for her to die um, before he pulled the trigger. And I think that those are some of the things that we have to consider. Uh, about Michael when watching the film. And for me to like the film, and I think that there's some people who would enjoy the film irrespective. Uh, For me to enjoy this film, I need to feel like I can root for the protagonist.
0: I think the point is not that you're supposed to like this character. I think quite the opposite. Uh, You're supposed to witness his downfall. Uh, I have to correct myself in saying that he's looking for a male heir. He already has a male heir. But I see this as an example of history repeating itself, where the firstborn son, and his brother Fredo, might not be the best choice. So he's he's hoping for another option that might be more closer to him. We see Anthony as being kind of a weaker son and not having that... the the qualities of, of a mafia person. So I think... Michael also saw that, and that's why he's so driven to get another heir. As far as Fredo goes, I think Fredo is the person that always wanted to have power, that got run over by the circumstances and by Michael. And he's now acting in spite, and he is longing to get the power that he thinks he's deserving and he's doing the ultimate sacrifice he's going against family which is something you should never do blood is thicker than water and he's paying the price for that uh but but i think he's also he was kind of weighing the odds of this Uh, had he been successful with selling michael out and having michael killed he would have been the person to take over the family but he wasn't so you cannot keep the the cancer in your body and your family around the logical response to that is you have to take that out uh, despite it being family i mean this is all family we're talking about and even even worse it's like direct family right not just the business family we're talking about so it was only a, a logical conclusion that fredo had to go because you know, fool me once, shame on me. But fool me twice, and uh, Michael would have been done for, pretty sure. And then you mentioned Connie was kind of submissive. I think this is going back to showing respect in general, respect for the the position Michael is in, respect for the power that Michael has, and it is kind of a, a subordinate. Like she, she shows that she's literally below him um, because she's seen what he can do so it's just uh, she she's just falling in her place in that regard and i think that that makes sense for the character uh, you may not like that but i think that's what needs to happen here
1: in the first movie one of the things that i mentioned when we we're talking about the godfather part one was that all the characters were flat except from vito Colleone Colleone. And Michael Cuglione and um, the strength of the Godfather part one was watching Michael go from his original state of being a war hero disloyal to the family wanted to do his own thing to um, being a criminal um, loyal to the family and all of that stuff so you know that was that was quite the interesting arc and I thought that that was the um, that was the strength of the film but in this one I do not see an arc for Michael. There was no arc whatsoever. And I think that it was quite difficult to watch a flat character from the very beginning to the very end. I accept the premise that Michael was not meant to be likable. And I guess if you're looking at it from that perspective, then the movie was a an amazing success. And, you know, I'm not entirely sure um, how to deal with the character of Michael in the film, given uh, the fact that he's such a flat character. And some of the deci- decisions he made were very difficult to watch. But I guess in some sense, you could say that this movie tries to demystify the mafia world and remove the glamour that is currently associated with it uh, and um, talk about the the gloom and chaos underneath it. But I think that it would have been more interesting to watch a um, a less cold character go through the sprawling worlds of Cuba, um, a less cold character visiting Hyman Roth, watching on the rooftop, watching the beautiful vistas, a less cold character um, walking through the presidential palace somebody who can observe, who feels like he's part of the scene that he's currently at. Not somebody who is often withdrawn and um, paranoid about everything. One of the problems I had with Michael was that he seemed out of place in every single scene because he was out of place. He was, um, he never took in where he was at. He always seemed uh, distant. I think you're making my point there.
0: he he was out of place in the scene because his character literally is out of place. Uh, he's he's not in control, so he's he's really losing it all the way till the end. And this is where I don't don't agree with you that there's no character arc uh, towards the end when Alfredo is done, when a lot of other people are killed, when he's getting in control of Frankie. You know, when, when Fredo gets killed, when Frankie gets suicided, essentially, uh he regains control. And the way this movie does it brilliantly to tell you that he's back in control, is the the visual characteristics of the office towards the end of the movie is closely mirroring the Vito Corleone office scenes in Godfather One. From the from the color grading okay. to some of the shots, it's kind of mirroring. And that is telling us that, okay, now Michael is in control. Michael figured it out. Michael has a way to to establish his dominance again. And he tells everybody, I'm, I got this. You better follow me or you're done. And uh, I think that's the character arc we're seeing here. You may not like it, but I think that's exactly what this movie set out to
1: be. So let me give you one example of one of the problems I had with the script that bothered me as I watched the movie, um, and it basically set up the whole Senate hearing. Frankie Pantangelli comes to Michael for permission to deal with the Rosado brothers. One thing that we should know was that Clemenza was supposed to play this role, uh, and from the first movie, Clemenza was left with in charge of the New York, the New York section of um, the you know, the Colleone family. But the the man who was uh, who played the role decided he was not going to come in for part two. So they introduced a new character, Frank P- Patanjeli. He's this loud, robust character who comes in and he goes at the very beginning to, uh, you know, play to the people who are playing the musical instruments. And he's trying to tell them, hey, play the Italian music that we grew up with. You know, he's very, he's very Italian. The point I'm trying to make is that he goes into a meeting with the Rosado brothers, and um, they were trying to make a deal because Michael said, Hey, I don't want you to kill them because, you know, um, I want him to feel like he still has me in the bag. So basically, I don't want to give away my position. I want you to go in and have a meeting with him and don't do anything rash. And he goes into the meeting and they put a rope around his head, uh, around his neck. And he says, Michael Colyoni says hello. I was confused by that line because it doesn't make any sense. If the Rosado brothers were meant to kill Frankie, that line doesn't make any sense. There are two ways to look at the line. It's, it could be Michael, Michael Colyoni set him up or the script is stupid. But then I read later that the character was acting in the moment and he made that line, and the director liked it so much he just kept it in the movie. But it created a weird subplot where we had to go into the Senate and listen to them as they debated whether Michael Corleone was the head of the fam of the head of the mafia group. And I I don't understand it at all. The thing that makes it the least strong for me was that Frankie was supposed to be clemenza and his role was supposed to juxtapose um the joining of uh vito Corleone and clemenza to join the family and his death was supposed to juxtapose that particular position in the film but because we are using a totally new character it just doesn't work because they're expecting us to like frankie but there's no reason why we should like frankie He did a, he tried to do a good job of playing Frankie as somebody totally different, but when it comes down to it, he feels out of place as well. And I think that, you know, if Clemenza was there, the whole conversation about the Romans and the fact that your family will stay, will be gone when you stay, you know, if you kill yourself would have, would have carried more weight, but I feel like it was a bit off. I don't know if you felt that exact way, or you felt totally different about uh, the role of Frank. I, think Frankie,
0: the, I think Frankie is the. I think Frank prime example of uh, Michael not being in control. Uh, Michael entrusts this person to run New York, and Frankie is not good at what he does. It seems like he shows up to the party in the beginning, and he's drunk. Like that's that's disrespectful, right? He's a laughing stock of the party when he tries to direct the band to play an Italian music, and then they move over to uh, not Italian music, and then everybody laughs at him. And so he cannot even get that right. Right. So he's he's somebody who's not able to do the job he was set out to do. I think your beef with uh, Michael Corleone says says hello. Ultimately, is the setup for Frankie to flip and speak up at the Senate trial. But then he's convinced otherwise to not talk anymore, because Michael gets comes in and gets the right, uh, the right arguments for him to not uh, speak anymore, and then he he they they convince him to kill himself. But uh, the, F- Frankie's whole storyline is somebody who, again, it's about power. Somebody who is who's trying to be in control and and trying to do right, but just cannot get it and paying the price for that.
1: I also want to talk about the scenes of Vito before we end this section. I think that, you know, Robert De Niro did a good job of it most of the time. And I think that some of there were some good threads in there, but I don't understand some of the decisions Vito himself made. And I, I kept trying to... See how this juxtaposed with the original character of Marlon Brando. And one of the things that I kept seeing was thinking was that you know Vito was now a sort of mirror of Michael for the most part. And I, w- I wasn't sure if that that was if that was the right direction to go. You know, in the original film, one of the things that we appreciated the most about Vito was that he was a warm character and everybody um, loved him. People came to him for direction. And I don't know, maybe time may have smoothed some of the edges around Vito. But I feel like um, the character of that Robert De Niro played was more of a Michael with some warm sensibilities than a Vito from The Godfather 1. So there was like a separation. And I think they tried to add a few lines in there where he was like, "I oh, will just make him a, an offer that he can't refuse." I I knew they were gonna put that in there, but I think I still think that the moment he decided to go and kill the the slum lord, it was more of a decision that Michael would do than what Vito seemed like he would do. The Vito we met in the Godfather,
0: I don't agree because I think that Vito is a very at a different place in Godfather one. He is uh, on top of the food chain. And I don't think that people necessarily like him, but they understand the power that he has and and the need that he needs to like you in order for you to advance and be safe. And in the past, so his younger self and Godfather 2, we see the early beginnings of that. We see the early beginnings of him getting that power for the first time. And it all starts off by being oppressed by the slumlord, as you call him who has a direct influence on uh, his livelihood like he le- he loses his job because of this dude and uh, he's taking matters into his own hands and gets rewarded for that he is in control he's taking his his place and the veto we get to know in godfather 1 is just a the culmination of all of that, of years of being in power, so of course there comes a lot of warmth and uh, security with that, because he knows he he's in control and everybody trusts not and everybody follows him. I don't know about trust, but uh, it doesn't seem like anybody from his inside inner circle is, is betraying him. Uh, he died of a natural cause, so mm-hmm. he's he's pretty grounded and very secure in what he does. And I think the the exact opposite is we're trying to figure out if Michael has the same skill set and the same chops to have the same legacy as Vito. And he doesn't for the majority of the movie. But I think at the end of the movie, he gets there. And like I said, visually, that's also transposed.
1: Acknowledged. So those are most of the cons that I have. Uh, I think that my... uh... My argument centered around the fact that I feel like you know Michael was not a likable character um he's uh he has no story arc, and I feel like the movie was too big um I feel like we could have concentrated on a few a few less threads to get more out of the film, but those basically are the cons that I could come up with about this film all
0: right well, I think. I said enough. I think this movie is, is a great movie and a great continuation of what was set up in Godfather One.
1: Thank you very much for listening and uh tell us what you think or who won the argument on this one.
0: Sure. Let's talk about the movie a little less formal.
1: Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. I think that a lot of the points you made were quite uh quite interesting and I think that you did counter a lot of the, the points that I made quite effectively. <laughs> Michael was not written to be likable, so the director did a good job of juxtaposing Michael's life and decision-making with that of Vito. I think that the ending of the film was the strongest point to that particular issue where the whole family sat down and Michael announced that, you know, he had signed up to join the military and Sonny got angry and starts to pull him. And starts to uh, you know reach out and you know it was really just to rough Michael up, and they say, "Hey, uh, our father is here," and everybody stands up, and Michael sits alone on the table smoking his cigarette while everybody goes and sings. He is a jolly good fellow, to the character of Vito, who is off screen.
0: I think you make make a good point. I think the the end of this movie is bringing us back to the beginning of Godfather, one in in a sense even though it's it's way before godfather one even but it is showing us the the concept of betrayal right i i don't think Sonny was ever thinking that anybody of this family would go would would enlist be, because nobody needs from this family needs to be enlisted needs to mm. fight for america yeah and why put yourself at harm if you can fight like if if you're willing to fight to fight for your family and not for, for this country, uh, as, as odd as that argument might be. And I think that's the first betrayal that happens. And it tells us the reason why Michael is not a good fit to, to run this family because he's from the beginning, he's already running against it and he's trying to fit in and is failing. And like I said, the whole second movie is about him not being in control and trying to figure it out. And then he gets to the point where he figured it out. But I also think it's not needed. And I felt a little taken out because it's like, why are we going back in in, in this timeline where we've never been before? <laughs> right. Uh, I think the thing I struggled with with this movie was the constant jumping around. Uh, I found it very interesting that even the, the Wikipedia article about this and the plot kind of nicely ties everything into their own timeline. And you can go like Vito's story, and Michael's story, and like it, it nicely summarizes everything into its logical thing. And in this movie, it's just very confusing because you go back and forth, back and forth. And then it, it geographically goes all over the place as well. And I mm. think it's too confusing and too much for that. Um, and I think they could have edited it a little down further. I think Cuba. I'm not sure we we needed Cuba in this, for example. Like if I you, agree. If yeah, if if you just focus on the veto versus Michael thing, and, and the whole theme of control versus chaos, as I interpreted, then Cuba is not needed.
1: I I I think that if. I agree with you totally, and I think it's one of the arguments that I really felt was strong. It just felt like the movie sprawled, and it was very, very wide-reaching. And I, I feel like it was very weird that Michael was in the middle of everything, including the collapse of Cuba. Um, I think that they could have reduced the the effect of that and still had an effective story. Um, I'm not a I, I, I can't disagree with you on the fact that the movie could have been trimmed up a little bit to try to make the story a little bit better. But I, I, do, I do want to say uh, a couple of things which I had um, arguments against the original film. In the original film, one of the things that I said was the supporting characters were very weak, where the main characters were very strong. In this movie, I felt like the supporting characters were very adequate. Um, and there was good acting. I think that this is a movie about Michael trying to get accepted in the American way of life, and it juxtaposes against Vito who was entrenched in the Italian way of life. and I think that if you compare the beginning of this movie with the beginning of you know the Godfather One. Where everybody's doing uh, traditional Italian dances, and in there everybody's formally danced. uh And the senator who comes to have a discussion with Michael in the room, and he was like, "I don't like you," and he says all sorts of racist things to Michael. Something that you'd think you would never happen, uh, if it was Vito, uh, yeah. and you you realize that definitely Michael is way over his head, and he can't control the current.
0: Yeah, I think it. You you make a good point. It's it's telling us a story about old school italy and new school america and it also tells us how out of touch he is and and again kind of how how he doesn't trust uh, i think it's fascinating how in godfather one vito is not really at the party that much i don't think you see him that much and this he's he's all over the place he's in the, like he's doing business meetings and then he's on at the party and then back in the business meetings back at the party and I think it's just kind of a subliminal thing of like he he's trug- struggling to to be in power, but he's also kind of micromanaging. That's what I meant with with my micromanaging argument. Like he's he's not fully settled, and and he he doesn't have that um, that je ne sais quoi of a of a real don in a way yeah. that, that he gets the respect that he thinks he deserves. Uh, and and further even the the senator. Like I said, like, it's outrageous what the senator says to him. That would never happen with Vito. But Vito also exuberates this aura of, like, you cross me, you're done. And I don't think Michael does that necessarily. Michael wants to be a tough guy, but I don't think he uh, exuberates that. That Exactly. Right. And I think that's the point of the movie. You You see... Uh, somebody who never wanted to be in this position in the first place struggling to fit into that role and not doing it right for three hours and 15 minutes and then towards the end it kind of all comes together
1: i think that one of the other strengths of the film is um the fact that we could see feel the weight of every decision michael had to make um you mentioned that Michael had to do it because uh Michael had to kill Fredo because, um you don't want to keep the scorpion back. It's still going to sting you, no matter what it says um and you may be right or maybe wrong. I really don't know. I don't want to ever be put in a in a situation like that. I don't think I would make the same decision, yeah, but um the moment he finds out that Fredo lied about Johnny Ola. In the Cuban bar, while they watched the people sing and dance, um, he puts his head in his palm, and I could, I could feel the weight of his of what he was thinking. And I think that the fact that you know, um, Al Pacino did not get a nod, uh, for the for the character in this movie is a travesty <laughs> to to Hollywood. He did a great job of acting, um. And he carried this film for the most part. But I do feel like if Marlon Brando was in the film, it would have helped. One of the the things that we missed the most in the film was the warmth that Marlon Brando brought into the first one. And I think that Al Pacino did a great job of, of leading the film. Um, and one of the ways he did that was showing the weight of every single decision the way he paced in front of the window as they as the boat bubbled uh bobbed in the water uh before they killed fredo you could feel the anxiety in all the decisions um and i think that was great
0: yeah i don't agree that we needed um mollen brando in this at all i f- i find it interesting that you say that he brought a lot of warmth to godfather because uh, I recall saying that he's not even in the Godfather that much on uh, last episode and he's not uh it's interesting that I I guess that explains the iconic character of Vito Corleone that, that you still look back to this to this movie and think oh he brought so much so much warmth to the movie um I, I guess that explains that icon of of a mafia boss there which again speaks for godfather one i controversial opinion i think this movie could have really done without any of the Vito stuff i think you could have cut everything out from the past and just focus on michael and focus on michael trying to figure this whole mafia thing out i think you could have done a very successful movie with just that as a focus because it's it's with three, hour, three hours and 20 minutes, it's spreading itself very thin by jumping all over the place. And uh, like you mentioned, there's a lot of stuff that's very superficial, and I think that's one of the main flaws of the movie that it's it's confusing and superficial, and I think you could have edited it in a way and, and kind of strengthened some of the the, the micro plot points in a sense that it's a little more cohesive and a little more to the point.
1: And I think if they had done that, then you would have had Godfather 3. Um, <laughs> because I think that ultimately, there's a reason why a lot of people use the photos of Marlon Brando uh, for the Godfather. Because he brought it home. And he brought it home. And he like, like I said, he was the one where Michael was the cop. Um, and there was a lot of scenes of, cold uh coldness throughout the film um you know the scene where michael arrives home and there was nobody to greet him greet him um uh after he came back from his trip uh from cuba and the only thing he saw was Kay uh at the death making a dress or whatever she was making um i thought that compared to the moment where Vito comes in uh, at the very end of the movie and everybody leaves the table and leaves Michael behind and they go in it's like, he is a jolly good fellow. I think that that's the perfect juxtaposition and the reason why people love Vito over Michael. And I think if they had removed the whole Vito scene, you would have had a film that was just cold and I don't think you would have done it. The Vito scenes were essential in warming the film up. Otherwise, we would have just had cold Michael who you can't appreciate. Let me give you an example of one scene. The scene of the landlord and the dog, the landlord and the dog and the woman who was getting kicked out of her apartment. We never saw Michael deal with a situation like that. But one thing that I would give Robert De Niro uh, credit for, I mean, he did a great job, don't get me wrong, is that he did what you would expect in that scene. He basically acted like Vito. He paid the guy and let his reputation do the talking. I think if Michael was put in that position, he would have probably killed the guy without even having a conversation. And I think that that is the difference between the two characters. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, I think Michael is the kind of person that tells you he's famous, whereas Vito is the person that you know he's famous.
1: Exactly. Right? I think the way they neutered Kate, uh, Kay uh, throughout the film, you know, from the teacher to the housewife, I think it was kind of tried. Yep. Um but you know, it's interesting.
0: I think Godfather One sets it up though, right? Like she's literally looking she's on the outside looking in and she understands what that happens, and then that gets mirrored again in this movie when she after she visits the kids and kinda gets kind of escorted out. It's like Michael's coming, like get out. And and the same thing happens where he's on the outside and the door closes. That's just a mirror of Godfather One. And I think it, it's being set up in godfather one as like th- this is what you're getting and then or and like th- this is what you need to expect when you deal with this dude and then godfather two is like this is what you're getting when you deal with this dude right he's there's uh, because he, he he doesn't understand how to to rein it all in and, and be like this two-faced like family man and everything's fine everything's cool Every, everything's happy you you can see this like we said at, at the party you can see it there too because it's not it doesn't seem like everybody's happy there versus yeah. godfather 1 where it's just a normal feeling family party yeah i agree and, and it, it feels very artificial and the color grading was all over the place too in this i was kind of confused i felt the The Senate scenes look very different and I was like, okay, this, this another timeline now, because I feel like a lot of the stuff is, is color graded in a way to tell you we're, we're like super in the past and we're in the now and we're in Cuba and, you know, and all over the place. But then the Senate stuff looked completely out of place to me. And I thought that was odd. Hmm. And then the music interesting enough was very similar to Godfather one where it's kind of hanging out and it's just kind of the same themes all over the place. And again, the Godfather theme, the iconic Godfather theme shows up once, I think. And that's when when um, Vito goes back to Italy to kill the olive oil dude. Hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Which is <laughs> mirroring Godfather 1 again. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting because, again, it's this iconic thing that doesn't really show up in this movie for a long time. So, yeah, those was final observations for me for this movie
1: yeah i I would say but i I would say that uh overall one of the things that I did enjoy was the sprawling uh views and they used a lot of beautiful sets uh we get to appreciate uh the places where they were. one of the criticisms I had was that Michael didn't seem like um he was in place in all those places, but while I can say that, I can also say that the places where he was seemed like a place I would like to be in. You know, the music, the people dancing, uh, Cuba. Well, I didn't want to be in the place where they're exploding themselves, cops. But um, they did a good job of making the places seem elegant and um, somewhere you would like to be.
0: Oh, I thought another point on on violence. Uh, I felt the, this movie had a violence on a very different uh, level. Because again, it was very personal at this point. Mm. Right? Like killing your brother, uh, even though you don't, you see it from afar. Again, you, you're kind of a um, just an outside person looking, and and then you know, um, it, it was. I didn't lose the baby. It was an abortion. Like that was so, so cruel and cruel in a yeah. way. But 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 again, it's her taking control over him. Right? She was asserting dominance over him. And, exactly. Right. And um, I, I felt I felt that was super powerful, but also like, oh this is this is pretty tough. <laughs>
1: like you know. An abortion, um, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> just like our marriage. It's an abortion. Something that's unholy and evil. It was quite it was yeah, it was definitely tough to watch. Yeah. But, but I don't think she actually had an abortion. I think she she was a miscarriage. And she said those kinds of things just to make Michael angry. Like you said, take control of
0: yeah. But but that tells her that she's smart enough to figure out that that's exactly the thing that would trigger him. And that that's exactly the thing to to get control over him and he hasn't figured that out. Yeah. about himself even. Right. And that's that's his downfall throughout the movie that he doesn't really figure out what uh, comes back to harm him.
1: Exactly. Well,
0: so, yeah, uh, let us know what you think and uh, let's vote on Twitter and, and let us know who, who did the better argument.
1: Please uh, cast your vote on Movie Mistrial on Twitter and uh, Movie Mistrial on Instagram. Follow us on YouTube. We have a channel and you would guess the name as Movie Mistrial and on Facebook.
0: And you can also send us an email at contact at moviemistrial.com and you can check us out at moviemistrial.com I think uh, next time we'll talk about The Dark Knight
1: I'm looking forward to having that discussion yeah me too thank you very much for listening
0: thanks